Hello and welcome to Gardener's Podcast, part of Garden Church in Southern California. My name is Darren Galindo, and today's episode is a conversation I had with Pastor Bill Doctrum and Daniel Avila, rooted in a sermon from Pastor Bill titled Stewardship of Work from Sunday, November 19th. If you haven't heard the sermon yet, I highly recommend you hop over to Garden Church Podcast and give it a listen. For those of you ready to get into the conversation, buckle up. Hello and welcome. I'm here with Daniel and Bill Doctrum. Welcome. Hey. Thank you. Good to be with you again. We're recording this on Tuesday morning, and just as a note, if you hear any music in the background, it's because we have Tuesday morning prayer room happening between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock in our sanctuary, which is next door to where we're recording this. So um, if you haven't been yet, we definitely want to invite you to come and be a part of uh, prayer in our church. Uh, Daniel, you've been to prayer uh, Tuesday morning prayers. How's that, how's that been for you? It's been awesome. I think a lot of times you go into those things and you think this is like my personal me time devotion time. And that's kind of been completely flipped on its head where it's truly become a time where we're interceding for what's going on in the world. But then also like what we've seen a ton of is just like giving glory back to God of Mm -hmm. sharing testimony that has turned into prayer, turned into intercession, which is awesome. Mm, Love it. Yeah. And Bill, how's how's your morning going so far? Going well. Is this your first cup of coffee? No. No. I heard, I think actually you told me, you roast your own coffee beans? I do. And why is that? Uh, partly because I'm cheap and <laughs> partly because I'm a glutton. Okay. Um, I define gluttony as an excessive pickiness with regards to food as well as excess consumption. Uh, so... I just love coffee, and um, most of the roasters, I found a couple of roasters that I really like to buy stuff from, mm-hmm. but uh, it just got expensive. So I can buy green beans for half, roughly a third of the price of roasted beans, mm-hmm. and I have a tabletop roaster, and so I do it myself. Man, what a process. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's a great what's hobby. Your, what's your frequency of roasting? Once a week. I uh, Yeah, I, I roast once a week. Once a week. Yeah. I would love to try some sometime. Okay. I'll bring some. Yeah, I would love that. Um, yeah, coffee's good, and I like drinking it as well. And there I you think, go. Um, you and I had a... had a we, we talked over coffee probably maybe a couple years ago, and you didn't get coffee because you had so many coffee meetings that yeah, day. That, yeah. And you already knew that the jitters had, after uh, six cups is Well, not that's, good. The, that's the problem. I've been, I, it really doesn't affect me that much, but if, so if I don't monitor it myself, then it goes sideways pretty quickly, so. Yeah, and and likewise, this is already my second cup, but we yeah. won't talk about our coffee consumption no. anymore. We're good. talking about work. Um, you actually had a title for this last sermon um, on Sunday, which was Stewardship of Work. Mm-hmm. Um, what, if someone is coming into this conversation brand new, what was uh, the takeaway point um, from that sermon? Yeah, the the main thrust of it, part of our, you know, series on spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, is to say, how can this thing that occupies so much of our lives contribute towards Christ-likeness? And how can I, in that space, 
be a good steward of the job I have, the resources I've been given, the relationships that come out of those, uh, all of the things that come to us as a result of our working. Uh, but the job itself is a way of kingdom. The, the work that I do is a way of kingdom making. It's not simply something that contributes to it. That's where it's happening. And so it, regardless, almost without exception of um, employment, um, it can be a place where the kingdom is emerging, and I want to be part of that. So that was the thrust of mm. what I was trying to get at. And I, I love that connection. I feel like there's a lot of people that love Jesus, that come to church regularly, that the the view of work is like this separate entity that they it doesn't have an impact on the rest of their right. life, right. and they can somehow compartmentalize, this is just me at work. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I work to get a paycheck, to pay my bills, to support a missionary or do whatever. But when I when I clock out of work, that's when I can really be effective for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's incorrect because I think I fell into that as well. Yeah. And, and well, actually, I think it would be fair to say you guys could speak to this if you think I've got it wrong here. But I think we compartmentalize everything. So our worship life is one thing. Our mm-hmm. church life is one thing. Our play life, our relations, that's a whole other thing. And then this work piece over here is a separate thing. And biblically, of course, that's just, it just doesn't, you can't do that. Everything bleeds over by intention. Mm-hmm. And that there is a, a holistic aspect to it. But then very particularly, from the get-go, work has been how the kingdom comes. It's 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 how God makes meaning and partners with us to make meaning of um, uh, of the gifts we've been given, of the creation itself, of the resources uh, of our own lives, and of our building of community. Just so many different aspects that get impacted when when we understand that we do everything in Jesus' name, mm-hmm. i.e. as Jesus would do it if he were doing it, which is what the goal of disciple-making is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel, what was your um, like biggest highlight from uh, listening to the sermon? Uh, what was your takeaway, and, and what resonated with you the most? Well, there's a lot, as I was listening to <laughs> besides, it in my besides car. Besides everything. Yeah, I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. Um, I think there was a portion where, in talking about work, um, how essentially it's not like making work your ministry or this sacred thing is not going and doing a Bible study on your lunch break or having to tell everyone about your church group or things like that. It's actually how you do the job, which I think is the part that is the hurdle for some people because the thing of like, it has to be explicit or intense because that's what their experience of ministry and church is sometimes. Um, I think that was something I was really interested in even to hear more about too. Yeah, I I think you put your finger right on it. That is to say, that's that other part of that compartmentalization, right? That that my faith is uh, kind of independent of the rest. And of course, Jesus will have none of that. He keeps pressing us into our own lives as the only place we'll ever meet God. So if I haven't trained my soul to be attentive to how God is showing up 
on the factory floor, on the sales floor, behind the cash register, standing in front of my class of students, then I'm probably going to miss him everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so the idea for me is an invitation to to notice, to pay attention to all of these, um, quoting Moses kind of idea here, all of these bushes that are burning Mm -hmm. all around and discovering, A, God is present, and he doesn't need special language it's the language of retail sales. It's the language of bookkeeping. It's the language of software programming. So he knows how to speak multiple languages. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think wants to be, if you will, invited to take his proper place as king of, the, of, of, of kings in that realm, mm-hmm. uh, in that kingdom. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think a part of it's like, doing a good job regardless of what you do. Yes. Or if you like what you do. Yes. Which is huge because I think there's also that thing of um, you have this idea in your mind that ministry and serving God is supposed to be this wonderful, beautiful, joyful thing, but people hate their jobs and so assume God wants them outside of that. So what would you say in that case for people who feel like miserable or stuck in doing work? Well, I think, first of all, you don't have to stay there. Yeah. You're not, it's not a life sentence. Uh, but on the other hand, you might want to reconsider because wherever you go, there you are. So is it the job that's making you miserable or is it your expectation that the job shouldn't make you miserable that's making you miserable? (laughs) Uh, is there something you're bringing or not to the table that is contributing to that sense of frustration or futility or whatever else it is? Because there's always, you know, the greener grass thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the truth, of course, is there's very few places that you can't meet God if you pay attention. Um, And so maybe the place you're at, as frustrating as it might be in the moment, is actually shaping something in you towards Christ-likeness that contributes to a deeper, more profound way of modeling Him in in that place. The second piece is, I think, what if that misery is not just yours, uh, but experienced by other people with whom you work in the space, and you, as salt and light, might have an opportunity to begin to turn the corner on that unfair labor practice or turn the corner on the toxic environment of gossip or innuendo or backbiting um, and put yourself in a different space uh, in the doing of your work. I love that point you made uh, Daniel, that that it's not doing the Bible study and you know having pieces of paper with <laughs> inspiring quotes all over your cubicle. It 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 really is. No, I I need to do my job well. I need to do what I'm paid to do well, so that I can do what I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. And calling vocation is about making disciples. Mm-hmm. So this is the. Matthew 28, wherever you go, be making friends for me, making disciples. If that happens to be on a used car sales lot, well, make disciples for me there. Uh, by the way, you need to be competent at your job to do that well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that you brought this concept up, Daniel, because it was, it was something that I had in the back of my mind, is this concept of purpose in our work. I feel like um, older generations knew that 
the purpose of work was to provide for their family. So they were more than happy to just have a good job and do a good job yes. at whatever it was, be it, yes. you know, an accountant or selling houses or taking out the trash or, you know, janitorial services didn't matter what it was. Right. You got a job, you did great at your job yeah. and that was important. Yes. And I feel like nowadays, especially my generation and, and even the next generation after me is there, there's like this desire for work to also fulfill this longing and purpose. Yeah. yeah. And that if we don't feel like we're making an impact in the world, you know, whatever, like flipping hamburgers at In-N-Out, then that in and of itself means we're at the wrong job and we need to get to the right job. Um, can you, can you speak a little bit more on the concept of purpose and how that can play a part? Um, and just the maturity level of Christians in work environments that maybe we don't feel like is very purposeful. Yeah, I, I think just to your to your point, paying the bills and making a living is a rational reason to be employed, mm -hmm. and not a bad reason. Uh, I think we are counting on our jobs to do for us what we will not do for ourselves. Uh, we are not intended to find meaning, value, significance, worth out of our jobs. We're intended to bring value, meaning, and significance to our jobs. There are, there are jobs that nobody enjoys, but that need to be done, and done well, and done competently for the sake of the larger human enterprise. Just open <laughs> wide up, right? So the idea of purpose is, no, you, you, the purpose, eternity is in your heart. The draw of the pull of the kingdom is what you bring to that space. And the invitation of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, in that moment is to say, here we are in this challenging environment, in this chaotic space, in this confusing space. Will you partner with me to bring order out of this chaos? Will you partner with me as a co-creator in this environment to bring meaning to what feels to be meaningless drudgery even? Is there even beauty in repetition, in the doing of the same thing day in, day out, month in, year in, and year out? Uh, is, there, is there a place uh, for doing even that well mm. with consistency? Um, and I think the short answer is yes, uh, because when you show up, the kingdom of God walks in the room. Mm -hmm. And it, there's no place, there's no kingdom that he is not king of. Uh, and so we want to um, uh, recognize and value and honor and partner with him in uh, our prayer, your kingdom come in those, in those particular spaces which is a, a very holistic view of the whole of our life and yeah. not just, you know, the parts that we feel we have more freedom with. Right. Work is part of where the kingdom can break through. And including, I mean, to be really candid, learning to submit to um, a boss who might be unreasonable or even a boss that's reasonable. We don't like to be told what to do by anybody. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to agree and, so strongly about that, <laughs> but, but notice how, how much our hearts are trained by chosen submission, 
chosen alignment, if that's a better word, uh, towards a larger goal, a larger purpose. And frankly, I need, whether it's driving on the freeway or um, uh, taking my place in a queue, or I need my soul trained in lining up with others Mm. and playing my role and staying in my own lane. As Paul said, mind your own business. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Do do what you're called to do. Um, and I think it trains us as as it did Jesus. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered in Hebrews. So why do we think it's going to be different for us uh, as it in those settings? You know, the, it so much reminds me of. Uh, that toxic uh, individualism yes. where we're the star of every show. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking about Disneyland. I, I, I've no, I don't know if you guys have been to Disneyland recently. I haven't been to Disneyland recently because I want to feed my family. But um, <laughs> uh, the fast passes at Disneyland, right? I love how Disneyland is so smart to give people like me a way that they can think that they're beating the system with waiting in lines and you i mean you walk up to any line and the first thought is how can i skip ahead right how can i beat right. the, is there someone is there another line that's open yes. you go into costco yes. it's like yes. is there you know the self-checkout how can i like beat this you know mm-hmm. um and like the fast passes is like you're still waiting in line you're not achieving anything but and everyone else is doing it but it has that appearance of you can kind of beat the system. Yes. And why is it that whenever we walk into a space where other people are so calmly maybe getting in line, but we feel the need that we should be treated special? Oh, man. Um, Well, I can't speak for anybody else, (laughs) but for me, it is pride. Mm -hmm. It's a sense of my specialness. uh, And I've got stuff to do. I got places to be. I got important people who are counting on me to be important too, and uh, and of course we just Genesis three all over again. We think we can game the system, and and win. And it's like that little game that you play with your kids, where you draw a line on a piece of paper, and sooner or later you find yourself just trapped in the box canyon <laughs> of your own cleverness. You know, you've outsmarted yourself. So you do that race around that guy in the lane, and then the then the light changes, and he's right beside you, mm-hmm. and you're, you're kind of looking sideways because you don't want to catch eyes with somebody who just cut off for two seconds of gain. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just that silly in so many different areas. So I think part of it is uh, our sense of, I don't know, we're better and more deserving. I think there's entitlement woven into it, where uh, the and of course it will say Disneyland. You want to get the most for your. I mean, you're paying, you know, a house payment to be there, so I want to get everything done and Uh everything. But the problem is, is that even in that, you often are so intent on the next, you don't enjoy the now. Mm. Uh, And so I think that there's an element of that just in life as well, where where we're, we're so, it's like there's this old saying that uh, I love. Uh, it says, if while washing the cup, 
for tea. You are thinking about drinking the tea. You are not washing the cup. Hmm. And you probably won't drink the tea either. Hmm. It's just this way of saying, if while doing something, I'm thinking about the next three things, I'm not doing the thing. And I think work fits into that category as well. Um, that the only it's awkward because the only place we'll ever meet God, the only place the bush is actually burning, is where we are. And if we're not there, we miss it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel, yeah, you have a tattoo. I think it's on your wrist. What does it say? It says "Be here." Mm. Yeah. Why? Why did you have that? <laughs> that's it. Uh, yeah, I mean, essentially, everything he just said. That's why I got this tattoo. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's that reminder to be present. It's like where a watch would be. So, like when you're always like thinking of like what's next, mm. what's going on. It's like you're here. This is what's happening now. Um, something I've been thinking about as we've been talking here is with a lot of, and I can say this because I am hopefully one of them still like younger Christians, <laughs> um, and like up and coming Gen Z young millennials, there is this idea of like, we have this higher calling than what we're doing. Um, because we, I think at some point have gotten it somewhat right saying, yeah, we are called to serve God anywhere, everywhere, all of those things. But the ends of the earth is also the coffee shop that you work in. Mm-hmm. That was okay. something for yes. me when I finished college, I graduated from Vanguard and I was ready to save the world. Like I was on a mission. Bring it on. I got a job at a nonprofit and that I thought, again, was going to change the world. And I worked there for three months and it was not the best experience for a lot of reasons. But um, I ended up working at a restaurant after that. And I remember the first day I got there, I was already thinking about when I was not going to be there anymore. (laughs) Um, And I ended up working there for an entire year. And in that year, I feel like I will still talk about as one of the most impactful years of my Mm. life because Mm. God stopped me in my tracks Mm. and was like, before you go and do anything, you have to know what I'm calling you to. Like, if you want to serve me, it has to be everywhere. Literally taking the job of a server, a servant, and waiting hand and foot on people in Newport Beach at Fashion Island. Like, doing that in its sense. Um, Because God was like, you want to do all of these great, incredible things. Um, But what also something I've seen I'd love to talk about more too is young Christians, what we do sometimes in that, we take, we have this higher purpose, we have this higher calling. um, And so we have this almost obsession with like being inside of the church and we have no impact outside of it. Because every, again, it's that separation of like the secular and the sacred. And so only places we're effective are with people that already know what we're about and the things that we've already all talked about with each other. It's almost the echo chamber Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. that we talk about in other contexts. Yeah. And I, and I think, it just just highlights the point, right? That if you can't be where you are, you won't be where you aren't. So th- th- if this is not the place of kingdom emergence, crossing the street to a greener pasture will not be, including, and maybe especially, working in and for a church or a nonprofit. Maybe that's a in-between space or a missional organization or a parachurch kind of uh, and and I th- those are all well and good. I tend to think this might be too extreme, but specifically for church, 
in a, in a pastoral sense that you have to be called unequivocally by God to do that because the norm is the mission field you know the 9 to 5 freeway driving it's not the working in a church because if you're not called you quickly discover that the church is not only not better a place to work in many instances it's um, way more challenging Uh, people you would think would be kinder gentler more like not so much necessarily Uh, i've been working in the church uh, or for parachurch organizations my whole life because i had a call uh, when i was 16 to do that but there i teach my students this Uh, you guys before you ever work in a church you need to spend probably at least two years in a real job mm-hmm. where where they're not praying and they're not, but they're doing good stuff. I, I was an apprentice electrician. I installed and repaired sound systems and Hammond organ um, sales and repair. And I still look back on the lessons I learned in those two and three years, mm-hmm. paying my way through college and whatnot. And I realized oh man, that was as valuable, at least in the shaping of me to Christ-likeness and the network of relationships I had as much of what I've done since then. Hmm. So I think that the piece that you're raising is a really, really critical one uh, to, to recognize the, the, there is no ideal anywhere. And the notice the parasitic component of that, that my elevation will come by doing something special, mm-hmm. will come by doing something noteworthy. Well, why, why is faithfulness not as much a value as fanaticism is? Mm-hmm. That, the, the flaming out, well, okay, but what about the slow, steady flame that you can cook on. <laughs> you can't cook on the flame out. Mm-hmm. You, you need the slow and steady to make it work. And I, th- I think that that's a metaphor for how, how to approach or think about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you had said something earlier um, that I wanted you to expand on just a little bit. Um, the, the difference between working in, um, quote unquote, the world or working in the church. And you had mentioned getting a real job as being the missional field. Um, what did you mean by that? And I thought the church was the missional field, says, you know, a typical Yeah, yeah, somebody. yeah. Yeah, the, the church has never, it's the only organization that exists for people not yet part of it. So it has to have, I mean, the church exists by mission as a fire exists by flame. So that said, um, the church is not where we go. It's not the building we meet in. It's who we are. So the goal is not to get people to show up at church, like I said on Sunday. Mm-hmm. The goal is to get the church to show up where people are, to be present with them. And um, the idea that I w- I'm after there is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether you look at some of the places, ways of wisdom in 1 Corinthians 12 or Romans 
12 um, uh, are, are particularly, it only takes a few percentage of the folks who have those gifts to run the church as an organization. So that means those gifts to lead, to administer, to manage resources, to serve, are intended to be used as the church in the world, which is then the cutting edge of mission. Mm-hmm. That's where the kingdom uh, confronts darkness. It's not so much in church on Sunday morning. That's where we get refueled maybe or get bandaged back up or restored or maybe learn a bit more. But really the cutting edge of the kingdom is not Sunday morning, it's Monday morning. Mm-hmm. It's, it's where the hard conversations take place. And I think sometimes speaking as a professional religious worker, I have lost touch. I don't know how many people I have in my life who are not Christians, who are not part of the tribe already. Um, so I have to connect with people who are strangers to me and try to as often as I can. But for those whose, whose gift, whose placement, whose occupation puts them right on that cutting edge, man, that's where the kingdom is emerging and pushing back against the darkness. Yeah, I love that. Um, and for for those of you listening that do have a job in the in the real world that that you are uh, consistently encountering people that do not love Jesus the way that you love Jesus, that is the definition of the front lines. Yes, it's not you know pastor up on stage that knows everything. Right, it is each and every one of us bringing the kingdom with us wherever right. we go, especially in our workplace. Yes, and and to me that also highlights if there's a little bit of a sidelight, but highlights how misinformed um, we are when we think the guy on the stage is more important or more gifted or more whatever than the person who's sweeping streets after the parade. Mm. In the kingdom, n- no hierarchy. Uh, we have we have a head, we have a Lord, and it's none of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everybody else, take your place, play your role. And Paul's clear, the more um, critical parts are rarely ever seen. You think about that as a body, you think about that as a, as a community, the unseemly parts, we, we don't see them, but boy, we would be completely lost without them. So... That's not just in making the church work on Sunday morning. That is making the church work as the body of Christ in the world for mm-hmm. which he came. Yeah. Um, and Daniel, you have been on staff here at Garden for just over a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to that, you worked in the in the world. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> big corporation. Big corporate. Like, <laughs> uh, But just as an example, like, what has been your experience? Because I've seen... Um, most of my work experience has been inside churches and I've seen people that have come to work for the church expecting it to be awesome and then wonder why it's not awesome. And then they end up getting a job somewhere else and then they're thriving. Yes. Um, and not saying that the church is toxic, but I think that there's some preconceived notions there. But Daniel, what has been your experience in working at, you know, quote unquote, a regular job um, in the world, encountering people that don't pray during the day, that, you know, they don't sing songs of worship during the day and get paid for it. Um, and then what's the difference between that and then working at a church? 
Yeah, well, I think I will say... Um, I forgot what I was going to say about that. So I'll just say it was the experience of like working in the real world or in like corporate. Something I very quickly learned was that people that are not saved or don't know God are like so much more curious about it than we think they are. Um, for those of us who live in like these insulated environments, we have this boogeyman idea of people in the world who have not heard about God um, and have heard only about the bad things that Christians have done and so assume that they will be like us and be judgmental and not want to ask questions and already have made up a decision. But yeah, I worked in a work environment where people knew what I was about, rarely ever because I talked about it, but because of what I did, why I did what I did, why I put value into everything I was doing, um, where conversations came from that. But like I mentioned before, like working in the secular world, you almost like are more aware of what God is doing because mm -hmm. you have to be looking for it. You have to have your eyes open for those things. Mm -hmm. Something I saw a lot was I would be challenged with so many things because people would ask my question, questions to me of, hey, you're a Christian. What do you think about this? Aren't you all the ones that are supposed to be, especially when there's things going on in the world, aren't you the ones supposed to be helping? Mm -hmm. Why are these ones doing this? Why do these Christians say these things? And so while I don't feel like my job was to, you know, be like a PR person for Christianity or for God, I did feel in a sense, like as a representation, like I show up hmm. by doing a good job at what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And like, if that means climbing the corporate ladder, I know it sounds like a gross term to a lot of people, but if it means doing that, making a lot of money, great. Like you're good at what you're doing. I think a lot of us think like, okay, yes, we can practice our spiritual gifts outside of the church. You totally can. If God interrupts you and says, hey, pray for this person, offer words, and that's great. You can also use spiritual discernment and how you make business decisions, which I think was something for, was huge for me. Like I did a lot of hiring at my old job and I did not enjoy it at all because I did not like telling people they didn't get the job. Um, but I would invite God into that process of like, what are you building here? Even mm. though this isn't your church, I'm dedicating this as holy ground because I'm here. Mm. So what are you building here and what people can we bring in here that are going to help shape the culture that you want here, even if these people don't have not realized their like sonship or daughtership yet. So I think that was so beautiful. And what's so interesting is, as I talked about when I first graduated college, I was like, hey, how am I going to get into doing work that matters and working for the church and saving the world? And I want to be a missionary and go and do all of these things. And what was so interesting is a year ago when I left my job working for the corporate world, I didn't want to, mm -hmm. which was fascinating. Mm -hmm. There was an opportunity for me to work at a church, a church that I loved, this church, Garden Church, where I am now, church that I loved so much and loved what we were doing here and doing a job that I thought was a really, really cool job, but I didn't want it because I felt after time when I allowed God to show up in my workplace, I felt so called there. Like I felt as they talk about, this was my mission field. Mm -hmm. This was where he wanted me. And so, yeah, it was a difficult decision. I think, again, when God calls you into something else, you just kind of have to trust and obey mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. But it was cool because even the conversations I had with people leaving, they would ask, like, I thought you loved this, though. I thought you were all about this. And it was cool because we had conversations about calling and like realizing, like, yeah, God impressed upon my heart something different. And what was so special is like they believed that. Mm -hmm. They saw that in me uh, because they knew 
the integrity I showed the three years that I was there and all the other places. And then, yeah, I think coming into the church, making this work, still recognizing being in here and doing my job here is not my only job. Like I'm still called to go outside of here. Um, and that's a huge reason why, you know, I'm really passionate about global missions and all those things is how are we getting ourselves outside of this environment? Because I also grew up in a very churchy environment, went to Christian school, parents worked in a church. So we were all really, really good about growing with each other, but we eventually get to this level where it's like, who's going to catch up? Um, mm. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, I've enjoyed working here. It's a great place. So you don't, you don't have to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy. I promise. <laughs> well, I, and, and, and like to that, to that point, um, the, you know, working here at Garden Church um, is one of the healthiest work environments. We still have struggles. Amen. It's not like, you know, uh, that this is somehow independent of, um, you know, people making mistakes or things being done that could be done better. And like all this, all the same struggles um, that you would think of uh, in, in just any other company. It's like, yeah. this is still run by, by people and people are dumb sometimes people make mistakes sometimes and nobody's perfect with that um i think the caveat and you mentioned this earlier bill is is sometimes working uh for a ministry or for a church um it it brings up more challenges in a lot of ways and i would think that um in the same way that we are trying to do our best just by doing work the fact that it's for church and you know doing air quotes for God, we can just we can give off the impression that we're awesome at being Christians mm-hmm. when we haven't done anything on our own time to decide, you know. So like when uh, Daniel, when you were showing up to your pre- previous job, recognizing that as your mission field, it's like you're bringing the kingdom with you. It's so easy to identify God at work. Um, that's separate from what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, working at a church, it's like, we do things for God and we get paid for it. So it's easy to say like, oh, I studied the Bible for six hours this week or whatever it is. Uh, Some people I think still think that, you know, worship pastors or people that work at churches, all we do is just like read the Bible and drink Mm -hmm. lattes. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there's work that needs to be done here, but a lot of the times it's easy to say like, oh, I did this for God. Therefore, when I get off of work, I don't need to do anything more for God. Uh, And that becomes a different kind of struggle. Um, and, uh, Bill, I do want to be sensitive about time, but, uh, but yeah, we want people that go to work to be awesome at your job, to make God look good with how well you do things, regardless of whatever it is and wherever you, you work. Um, Bill, do you have any, uh, closing thoughts or maybe just an encouragement for people as, uh, this is potentially the first time they've heard a conversation around this as work being a mission field or a place where the kingdom can break through? Well, I, 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 I'm, this last little bit is, (laughs) is a hot button topic for me. Um, for varying reasons, not the least of which is that I train pastors professionally. That's my, that's my job mm. in teaching in, in, uh, at the university. Uh, but what I try and enforce to them is precisely what you guys have been saying, that church is still people, and people do dumb things. And what makes it particularly challenging is, A, the expectation that it shouldn't be that way, but B the schmear of spirituality that is placed over the decisions that the church sometimes makes that are clearly not 
spiritual decisions, their employment decisions. We use language of family and so on and so forth. Well, you don't fire Uncle Joe. <laughs> He's, but we do have to let people go. We do have to make employment decisions. We do have to say, this isn't a fit for you. And there is, that's the collision between the church's organization and the church's organism, mm -hmm. the church's body, the church's community. So doing that well is really challenging. And what I would say then to um, anybody in any line of employment is, is you can only bring who you are to whatever it is that you're doing, mm -hmm. which is the point. That's why work is a spiritual practice. That is to say, this is how and we are formed to Christ-likeness. So pay attention. Bring your A-game in terms of your own spiritual formation. That's why a regular devotional rhythm is so important and why f Sabbath gets framed as both foundation and destination. We'll talk about that Sunday. And why... Um, all of these communal practices are not just reserved for this little pod of folks, but this is, people need to see what a love-shaped life looks like. Mm. And where that is, is largely irrelevant, because this is my father's world. Uh, ev everything belongs to him already. So can I be an emissary of his care for people for systems, for the environment, uh, in whatever place of employment I have. And oh, by the way, that's how he also arranges to feed my family mm -hmm. and how he arranges to utilize resources for the furtherance of his kingdom in other places. Mm. It's a beautiful system when it works. Yeah. yeah. And we don't want to be the thing that makes it not work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we want to, uh, what was the phrase, you know, mind your business, do a good job and, and Make a contribution. Yeah, uh, I love it. Uh, well, thank you, Bill, for being here. Thank you, Daniel, for uh, for just this wonderful conversation, and thank you for thank you all for listening to this. Um, and we invite you back uh, again for Tuesday morning prayer at eight eight o'clock in the morning here at Garden Church, and Sundays at nine eleven and six p.m. Have a wonderful day. For more information about Garden Church and how you can get plugged into our community, please visit garden.church. Thank you.